the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. bringing you tales from the, the park in Brooklyn, New York, and Bay Ridge. You know what I did today, folks? I played hooky. Now, you know, when I was talking to Luca at the end of the show yesterday about, he was talking about his final and his big global history final tomorrow. It was all done on computer. I said, you know, Luca, when I was your age, they, they didn't even exist computers in schools. And so even though I was going to play hooky today and stay home and be with my Luca was going to be here, and what was here, and and Arthur, his school is over now, and Lariana was floating around doing her six month old thing, but you know with this with the phone and the email, it's so hard to really escape and shut it down, which is the negative side. But on the positive side, it's kind of like you know you're you're in reach if someone really really needs you, so you're not stressed out about. Um, you know, I'm missing something or someone really needs me or the, the world is blowing up and I don't know about it. Um, but speaking of the world, something that has been important in my life since 1982 uh, when Italy won the World Cup in my lifetime that I remember. And here in uh, this area of Brooklyn, especially back then in 1982, uh, was loaded with Italian-Americans. Uh, the World Cup has become a big thing uh, for me. I mean, it's a big thing. It's the biggest, uh, I guess people would say the Super Bowl, but, you know, it's the World Cup. Everybody's more involved with the World Cup than the Super Bowl, which is an American thing. Well, they just announced that in 2026, a mere four years from now, uh, North America is going to host the World Cup and that there will be games played in the same place I'm going to right after this show. I am leaving the show. Uh, we're going to talk to Bill Bratton coming up. Then we're going to talk to Frank Setio. Crime is all over the news because a new Siena poll came out and 92% of people surveyed in the Siena poll said crime was a primary issue for them in the city of New York. 92%. Um, so we, we have a police commissioner, a renowned Police commissioner for Boston, New York, L.A., New York. Uh, not, not too shabby a resume to have on to talk about crime. And then we're going to have Frank Sedio, who come, who's going to come on. He's the former uh, Brooklyn surrogate, uh, politician extraordinaire, and a New York City police officer, and uh, a real New Yorker. Uh, but before we get to the, the heavy stuff, um, I, I'm excited. It's a good thing. I know four years from now we should be in good shape 
financially. We should be back on our feet. Everyone, from the COVID, from the economy, from gas prices, everyone says that, uh, you know, we will 2024. We got to get through 2022 and 2023. I don't know. I don't know. You know, everyone was excited for 2021 to come. They couldn't wait for 2020 to end. And I don't know. Nothing really changed so drastically in 2021. Um, but it's a great thing that the World Cup and some of the games will play be played here in uh, in the New York City area. It'll be played at the Meadowlands. Uh, they didn't say anything about Yankee Stadium. I know that they have played uh, soccer games. I've been to soccer games at Yankee Stadium. Um, but from a financial point of view, since yesterday we were talking about finances, we were talking about interest rates, we were talking about inflation, uh, it brings a lot of money into the area, a lot, a lot of money. Uh, in 1994, we hosted uh, some of the World Cup games uh, in New Jersey. And, yeah, you know, it just every aspect of our economy booms. The hotels, the restaurants, mass transit, pub, private transit, uh, yeah, um, all of the touristy kind of stuff like buying T-shirts and hats. And it's it's a great thing. And um, it's very interesting because the, the World Cup is this year is 2022. And it's always been. Uh, I believe in June, July, or August. And this year they're doing it in November and December, which is going to be really odd um, because they're doing it in, I always mess up how you say this, Qatar, Qatar, I don't know. You you pick, you could tell me how to say it. Um, but it's being done in a place that's very, very hot in June, July, or August, like, like oppressively hot, like you'll die if you play soccer outside for hours uh, at the level of... Um, professionalism that these guys play in the FIFA World Cup. So they're doing it. They wanted to, you know, it's the World Cup, so it's supposed to be all over the world. In 2002, uh, I believe it was held in Korea. That was the first time it was uh, exclusively held in Asia. And uh, and this will be now the second time. Um, the, um, the excitement for those people who don't watch soccer is no big deal. The excitement for people who are into soccer, it's a big deal. It's a big deal having it here. It's a big, whoever hosted Italia Novanta when Italy hosted it in 1990, it was a big deal. In 1982, Italy won the World Cup. And, and here in Bay Ridge, Diker Heights, Bensonhurst, the whole neighborhood exploded. I was in 1982, if I said 92, 1982. And I was 14, something like that. And I didn't really know. We didn't know. Come on, let's face it. We didn't really know what soccer was, what was going on back then to the degree that we do now. But if you fast forward to 2006, uh, Luca was inside of his mom on that Sunday. And uh, Luca came out just uh, 72 hours later. So uh, for me, that uh, 2006 team uh, means a lot. Just the Italian team uh, for... You're, you, know, you might be thinking, like, hold on, Arthur, you're an American. Yes, the U.S. team is in the World Cup this year, um, and God bless them. I hope they qualify for 2026. It would really be, it would really stink if it's in their country and they're not in. The American team was never any good. That's why when we were kids, I don't, they, I don't think they ever qualified. Now they're pr- pretty good. Um, they're in a, a they're in a um, bracket this year with off the top of my head, it's I think it's England, Wales, and Iran. Iran. Um, but England is going to be the powerhouse there to beat. But um, that is breaking news. When I, you know, if you're like, why is Arthur going off on this soccer thing? Like, if you turn on your phone right now or the TV, that's it just popped. And uh, literally, when Sambolino told me I got two minutes to air, I always go on 
the phone and, and just see, is there anything like hot off the press? And that's pretty hot off the press. You know what I saw is also hot off the press that made me happy? Tom Hanks protecting his wife. Uh, apparently, they were in New York City, and uh, a, a bunch of, oh, I, they're described as overzealous fans, kind of came over to them, and I think one of them tripped um, Mrs. Tom Hanks, uh, and um, Tom got, you know, got a little hot around the collar, and started uh, screaming at, at these guys. He actually used a, a curse word. It's funny because they, his Tom Hanks' wife goes by Rita Wilson, and when they're talking to, <laughs> they're talking to this article about uh, Wilson, they keep referring to Wilson, Wilson, and Wilson, I believe, right, is the name of the volleyball in uh, the movie that uh, he was so uh, famous for when he's... Uh, Castaway. Thank you. Sam Bellino stepping up. Castaway. Um, it's, it, it is a volleyball, right, Sam Bellino? And it yes, is Wilson, it is. correct? All right. Yes. So like, when, you, when you read the article real quick, right before the show's about to start, and it's talking about how he's protecting Wilson, and he stood in... <laughs> Stood in between the fans and Wilson. I just keep, I just keep thinking the ball with, uh, with the bloody handprint on it. But um, before we get to uh, Police Commissioner Bratton, there was a lot going on uh, regarding the January sixth uh, hearings. Uh, you know, now they want to uh, subpoena and speak to the wife of United States Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, because apparently she had a lot of interaction with the uh, White House uh, right around those that time. One of uh, his law one of his law secretaries is front and center in all of this, and and he's going. He went around saying, "Oh, the Supreme Court inside the Supreme Court, they're arguing about whether they should take the case or not." There's been fights going on. You know, I just look at it for a little more analytically and and trying to be objective. But also realistically, around that time, January the 6th of 2021, I'm pretty sure the Supreme Court was still all working remotely. And they're not really all up in each other's face like that, arguing, and it's just not really how it works. It's almost like it's nine independent law firms that correspond primarily through papers. And if they do correspond, it's all often through their law clerks. Um, but... You know, we don't want any kind of constitutional crises here. I do get nervous. I hate to hear when the Supreme Court is getting involved in politics or anyone around the Supreme Court is getting involved in politics. They're digging deep on this January 6th, on these January 6th hearings. Um, it is something, you know, I try to keep this show as local as possible, but, it, you know, this is all over the place. It's all in your face. And, you know, someone testified today that they told the president, if you tell Pence to uh, object to the certification of the election, you know, you're committing a crime. That's kind of a big deal. But speaking of crime, who better to talk about addressing what 92% of people say are the biggest issues in New York than Police Commissioner Bratton? Don't go anywhere. So our friends at Connors and Sullivan, the people who are going to help you plan your estate, take care of your wills, take care of your trusts, take care of your power of attorneys, healthcare proxies, living wills, uh, they're doing something that is just, you just can't pass it up because it's free, it's easy, it's pretty convenient. They're going to be at four different locations at all different times. And you could go in, it's going to be a free seminar by Mike Connors himself 
who are going to talk to you about all of these issues that should matter to you. They should matter to everyone, quite frankly. And your age, as we know, there's tragedies. Another story I read about is a guy was getting off the train today and his foot got caught, I don't know, between the train and the tracks and he's dead. Um, you know, you never know when, when the, the, your time is up. So your time is not up now. You're young, you're healthy, you feel young, you feel healthy. On Monday, June 27th, you can go to Buckley's in Marine Park at 11 a.m. on 3 p.m. And Mike Connells will be there. On Tuesday, June the 28th at Connolly's Corner in Maspeth at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. You could go see and talk to Mike Connors. On Wednesday, June 29th at the Greenhouse Cafe in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. You could go go to Bay Ridge, go to the Greenhouse Cafe, a great place. I've been many times. Mike Connors will be there. And Thursday, June the 30th at the Adria Hotel in Bayside, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Mike Connors will be there of Connors and Sullivan asking all of your estate, answering all of your estate planning questions. If you can't make any of these free seminars, just call Mike Connors at Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. That's 718-238-6500. And as Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Gregory Floyd, host of Reaching Out, gets answers to the tough questions from people in the know. I have two guests, Christopher Beone and Vito Pitta, attorneys with Pitta Beone. It's been almost 18 years since the 9-11 attack. We hear about first responders dying from 9-11 related cancers. Do you think this is the beginning of the end of that cancer epidemic relating to 9-11, or is it the end of the beginning? We don't have a full picture of everyone that was exposed. So while first responders, uniformed personnel, recovery workers were very much aware of the Zadroga Act, everyone else that was below Canal Street may not know that, one, they were exposed, and two, that they are potentially eligible for health care and compensation because of that exposure. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd at a new time, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and again at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Well, folks, the man who uh, took care of the bad boys when uh, we needed him most. Talk about rising to the occasion, stepping up. Police Commissioner William Bratton, a man who really needs no introduction to those of us who lived in New York City. Uh, I believe, if I, and I'm sure the commissioner will correct me, was on the cover of Time Magazine. Is that accurate, uh, Commissioner? That's correct. It was quite a few years ago. Good evening to you and to your audience. Yeah, well, <laughs> well you know what? 
Uh, Commissioner Bratton, you deserve that. Um, you know, I started in the district attorney's office in Brooklyn under Joe Hines, right when you and, and Mr. Maples were uh, really you know, kicking in. And I, I was at some of those original CompStat meetings with Lou Anamone, who was the chief of department. And uh, a lot of guys got called to the carpet. <laughs> a lot of guys, those were not... Those were not like warm and fuzzy little get-togethers. Why don't you just let's take a little walk around memory lane, Commissioner Bratton. Tell us what those those first that first year was like with the CompStat meetings and what they were and, and how they came about because it really changed this the the landscape of the country, not just the city. Well, those were the days, and the days you're talking about would uh, uh, have to be described as 1994 when I became the commissioner. Uh, Giuliani's first commissioner. And I was, had the great fortune of working with an extraordinary team of people. Jack Maple, who you referenced, who I had first met in Transit Police 1990, uh, one of the smartest people I've ever met on dealing with issues of crime. Louis Annamone, who became chief of the department. John Kennedy, who became my first deputy. John Miller. Uh, John Miller, who's still with the NYPD, running counterterrorism, public information. Uh, the challenge that we had back then, the challenge that Dan Giuliani had was what to do about with crime and disorder that had grown for 25 years so that New York was one of the most dangerous cities in America. And some of what we did was we energized the cops. We put them out there and told them to take back the city. Uh, we developed a system called CompStat that you've referenced. And CompStat was the idea of mapping where crime was occurring, timely act intelligence, map it every day, rapidly respond to it when there were two or three incidents and not 15 or 20. Uh, effectively putting cops on the dot, effective tactics, what was going to work, uniform, plain clothes, decoys, and lastly, the relentless follow-up, and it worked, and what Constant did, uh, we identified 7,000 locations in the city where drugs were being sold openly on the streets, and we put cops there, we made arrests, and we began to clean up the city. By 2018, 20-some odd years later, New York was the safest it's ever been. As recently as only three years ago, 2018, four years ago, it was a it, it was a miraculous time, the New York miracle they described it, where crime went down by uh, almost 80 percent, homicides down by 90 percent. If you figure, imagine. No, I I. I... I've lived it. You know, I was sworn in as a prosecutor on February the 1st, 1993. So, and, and uh, you, were, you, you were there at the beginning then. <laughs> I, I, I was there and I, you know, and there was so much going on. I literally, I wasn't the lead prosecutor. I was the secondary prosecutor on Valentine's Day. It was two weeks later. I was trying an attempted murder case, a felony attempted murder case, because there was so much crime, and we were just cranking it out and cranking it out. But I, I, you know, as I got a little senior, so it was probably maybe a year and a half, two years after that, um, I was told to go to one of those CompStat meetings, and I had heard some rumors. But I would just love for you to tell people you know, what would happen at those meetings. They were targeted for certain areas like South Brooklyn. Maybe it would be like, you know, uh, you know better than me. But I, my recollection was like two or three or four precincts all at once. And, and you guys went over the crime stats. And you would call, you know, people were getting called to the carpets like, you know, XOs, like captains, you know, high up. Uh, police officials were getting called out about why they didn't address things a certain way or what they're planning on doing on fixing things. Is that more or less correct? What we did, uh, Jack Maple, who you know, and myself, was 
as part of the overall development of the crime strategies to deal with the robberies, the rapes, the murders, the shootings, that we began hosting twice a week, three-hour crime meetings at police headquarters. And twice a week, we would bring down the commanding officers from half a dozen precincts from the various patrol boroughs, and we would talk about crime. We would ask them to talk about what was happening at precincts. Crime was up, crime was down. What were they doing about it? And so it was a very inclusive process that all these other precinct commanders could sit and listen to what their contemporaries were doing, what wasn't working, what was working. And it allowed me as the police commissioner in a department with 35,000 police officers, 55,000 employees, to really get into the uh, inner workings of the department. And you could watch who responded well to that pressure. Some of these captains were great at it. Some were not so great at it. Effectively, uh, the first year, I think I transferred about 75% of the precinct captains. A lot of them were just not up to the job of being crime fighters in the precincts. They could be great administrators. They could be great uh, uh, strategists. But I was looking for crime fighters. And in that first year, Lee Amon, Jack Maple, uh, they discovered a lot of guys that understood men and women what to do about crime. And uh, that first year, uh, I won the 10% decline in crime. We got 12%. The second year, I won a 15%. I think we got uh, 19%. So that when I left uh, after 27 months as police commissioner, overall crime in the city was down by 39%. Homicides were down by almost 50%. And uh, New York cops saved the city. They took it back. And for 27 ideas till the legislature screwed it up in 2019, we kept it safe. 2018 was the safest year in the history of the city. History of the city. And meanwhile, our legislation in Albany with their bail reform and all the crazy laws that were passing, they screwed it up so that a couple of years ago, we saw crime start to go up. And what are we seeing this year? It's still going up. Yeah. And, and so, Commissioner, I, I, I took my son to the Yankee game last night, and, and when we're leaving... You know, the, the people just just jump in that turnstile like it's not even there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I just remember, I mean, I, that, I never remember it being like that. Even when the crime, I mean, because there's cops, there's, in other words, there were police officers on the other side of the turnstile. And it, it, it was well, uh, blowing my mind. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting story that most people don't understand. It is half the New York population was not here in 1990 when the New York Crime Funeral Miracle began in the subways. And where we began it was enforcing fare evasion rules that on any given day, 250,000 people were jumping over the turnstiles, going out of them, jamming up the turnstiles, the token suckers. And effectively what we did, we developed strategies where we could stop them, arrest them. Uh, one out of every 21 that was stopped was carrying a weapon. One out of every seven that was stopped was more than a warrant. And people understood that if you come into the system, you've got to pay the fare. As you never knew, if there's going to be an undercover cop on that platform and a couple of uniformed cops over in the utility room, you went through and didn't pay the fare, it snapped you right up. Within a year, uh, basically, we broke the back of fare evasion. Unfortunately, a couple of years ago, several of our district attorneys in a public pronouncement indicated they would no longer prosecute the crime yeah, of fare evasion. It's insane. It's insane. So, so if, if you're not going to be punished, for violating a law, who's going to obey the law? 
I, you know, I think the I think the district attorneys are violating the law by not punishing them. They took an oath to uphold the laws. If you listen to uh, if you listen to the oath that all the DAs take when they get sworn in, it's to uphold the laws of the state of New York, and they're they're failing to do that. So, Commissioner, I know you have a a, a good relationship with City Hall now. Uh, I know they I, I personally know that you're held in such high esteem uh, in City Hall. So, when you get your opportunities to speak to them. What what is your counsel to uh, the current administration? Well, in some respects, it's stayed the course. Uh, Mayor Adams, Eric Adams, said uh, I was a transit cop when I was chief of the transit police. He saw firsthand the strategies that we're putting in that, for the first time in his career, he could say, take some pride that the cops were having an impact, that they were doing something to control disorder. They could take great pride that they were being successful the trans time in their career. So Eric learned a lot of those lessons over time because he saw what worked and what didn't work. And what he understood was he didn't just focus on serious crime. He also had to focus on the quality of life crime, the fear evasion, the graffiti, uh, the aggressive begging, uh, the pickpockets, the larceny, the gropers. All of that, we went after all of it. And we had district attorneys and we had judges that would work with us to ensure that people committing crimes were punished for those crimes, appropriate crimes. Nobody was going to write this for fair evasion. They'd get a summons, they'd get a fine. And so this idea that somehow or another that uh, uh, we were uh, over-incarcerating, just the opposite. In 1994, there were 22,000 average inmates a day at Rikers. Last year, I think it was down about six or 7,000. Why did the population decline so dramatically? Because crime declined so dramatically. There were fewer people to arrest. It's, 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 this stuff is not rocket science. It's uh, basically, it's basic policing 101. You arrest somebody, you get a district attorney to prosecute them, get a judge to find what's guilty or innocent, and then an appropriate sentence. Uh, what Eric understands in his uh, uh, many public statements is we need to get back to a system where uh, you obey the rules. If you don't obey the rules, there's a penalty for not obeying those rules, an appropriate penalty. Yeah, I listen. I, I I agree. I don't think anyone should be doing uh, five to fifteen years in jail for jumping the turnstile. But it just, I, you know, I'm a, in case you haven't figured out, I ride the subways often, and it just creates an environment when people enter the subways by breaking the law of a lawless environment. And as you know, uh, you know, you you lose the subways, you lose the city. I do see much more police presence there, um, but. I just want to ask you one more question, Police Commissioner Bratton. It, when you guys took over, you and, and the Giuliani administration, crime had been running rampant, rampant for decades. And it took you guys a while to, to get it under control. Here, as you've accurately stated, it's it's been running rampant for months, many months, but months, not decades. Uh, 2018 is, is, you know, less than four years ago. Uh, is it going to take... Eric Adams and his administration uh, long or, or should uh, the biggest criticism I get on this show is that I'm too kind to the Adams administration because I'm just trying to give them a chance. Um, are they failing because it's been six months and we haven't seen a precipitous drop in crime? In fairness to uh, the mayor, he inherited the mess, the mess created. The crime situation in New York was created by New York politicians at City Hall in Albany. Uh, they basically created an environment where criminals 
could see clearly they were not going to be punished when they committed the crime. What about the pandemic, Commissioner? How, how does that play into that? Or did it play into that? A lot of the progressive left want to blame everything on that pandemic. The pandemic was a significant influence, but the crime situation was going up dramatically in New York before the coronavirus struck New York. What the coronavirus did, unfortunately, it shut the court system down for a year. So even if people were being arrested, they were not being prosecuted, not being tried. And so they were being let go to just roam the streets, commit war crime. And what Eric is trying to do now is get those courts back into functioning uh, reliability. And it's an uphill struggle. I don't see crime turning around in this city anytime soon, despite the mayor's best efforts. Uh, legislation in Albany is still not working with them well. City Council is uh, not going to work with them on a lot of what he'd like to do. Uh, I think the mayor would have liked to have hired more cops, but he understood that the City Council, this City Council, would not support that. He actually has almost two to 3,000 fewer cops than Mayor de Blasio had to work with uh, a number of years ago. So he's working with a, an understaffed police force. So he's, he's got great ideas. He's had a lot of experience. But he's up against a lot of uh, forces that are pushing back against him. And ultimately, uh, who's going to have to basically determine which direction New York City goes? The voters. There's these politicians that have screwed things up so badly. They're elected. And who are they elected by? The voters. Well, Koch had a wonderful expression when he lost his last mayor election. Well, the public has spoken. Now they must be punished. Right, well, exactly. I remember it well. They, so, Commissioner, I have... certainly being punished. I have one more. I have one more minute to that point. Because last night I had Hank Shankoff on, who I know you know, the political operative. Because the voters don't actually come out and vote the way they should, is it time to institute term limits for a lot of these offices, these statewide offices? There's already term limits for citywide offices. Should it be term limits for statewide offices for the assembly and the senate, so we don't keep having the same people over and over and over again because the electorate is too lazy to vote? I don't think term limits would actually uh, uh, impact uh, in a positive way, to be quite frankly, because it's the same voters that uh, somebody that's running for city council. Well, we see it now. They get term limited, and then they go run for another office. And they get... No, it's, it's really it's, the responsibility is on the shoulders of the voters. Hank's got it correct. One of the big problems in New York is the primary system and now this ranked voting system. Yeah, God knows if anybody can explain that one to me. Well, I, I... The idea that that people just don't vote enough in New York. That uh, they just well, uh, that they, is a fact. Take a crisis, you get them out to vote. Thank you so much, Police Commissioner William Bratton. I'm up against a heartbreak. Please give my warm regards to your wonderful okay. wife, who is another New York City legend. Legend. Thanks for time, okay. finding the time, I'll Commissioner. Be well. I'll pass it on to Ricky. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, folks. We're going to be right back. Frank Sedio's coming up. So. What I've been lucky enough to talk to you guys about this whole week is about my house. Yes, I have a little house in Long Island that I bought a long time ago. And, you know, it's interesting in life. Sometimes you got to figure out how to spend your money. So I could spend money on like a therapist to like, you know, help me with stress and help me figure out life. Or I could buy a little house um, where I get to invite my friends and my family and or sometimes I go all by myself and it's a different way to kind of it's just a different way to express getting out your stress and your anxiety and your all the things that run through our brains on a regular basis. Um, and I'm going to pull up to that house probably late tomorrow night. But when I wake up on Saturday morning, it'll be white. 
They'll be white with blue trim. And that white shiny house will look so good because my friend Susan at Rhino Shield painted it several years ago and it still looks beautiful. Um, this is a great time to, to plan a project. Even if you don't want to touch your house in the summertime because you're going to use it, meet with Susan now. If you... Uh, set up an appointment with her before June 30th, two weeks, she will lock you in at a 20% discount. Now we're not talking about like a couple of guys are going to come and like with a bucket of paint, whitewash your house. She's going to take pictures of your house. It's going to go onto a computer. She's going to then show you, Oh, look, this is what your house will look like in light gray. This is what your house will look like in dark gray. This is what she did with me is like, if you do this part white and then you can do the top part and the trim in a gray, or you can do the bottom light gray and the top dark gray. Uh, and I think I said, the only reason why I kept it white is because then she hands you this 25-year transferable warranty. And I'm like, you know, I like the gray. I like the blue. But white is white. And, like, white kind of never goes out of style. And if, I, if this house is going to look the same way for 25 years, I'm going to go with white. Maybe uh, that was, like, four years ago. Maybe in 21 years I'll get together with Susan and we'll we'll think about painting the house blue because... By that time, I don't think I'm going to be able to satisfy, live through the second 25-year warranty. So call Susan at Rhino Shield to make your house look beautiful, to protect it from uh, uh, the elements, to keep the heat in in the wintertime, to keep the air conditioning in in the summertime. The warranty is uh, against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold or mildew. So you're covered. You're going to paint once and forget about it. Maybe you'll just hose it with a regular garden hose once in a while if you get some mud on it or some dirt on it but otherwise you're in great shape 20 percent off for anyone who requests a free quote by june 30th so call susan today say hey arthur says that that you you, you just do such a great job so call her at 877-744-6608 877-744-6608 or go and learn a little bit more go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com rhinoshieldofnewyork.com do your own research and i'm sure you will come to the same conclusion that my family and i did and use rhino shield to make your house look beautiful new york city's first and only life plan community river's edge will soon be built on a 32 acre campus along the hudson river just minutes away from grand central and riverdale river's edge a community for adults ages 62 and up provides peace of mind knowing that if your health changes your needs can be met seamlessly right where you live you have a life plan with easy access to uninterrupted on-site care at no additional cost no matter how your needs change river's edge your plan for calm Call 844-55-RIVER. That's 844-55-RIVER or visit riversedge.org. Register now to take a journey that will impact you forever with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza for 10 life-changing days exploring over 40 historic sites in Israel this November 30th through December 9th. Sign up now at standwithisraeltour.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-278. Eight, 
We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, I'm getting started up. I'm getting fired up. We're going to come on. We got Frank Sedio coming on because I got yelled at last week. I didn't give him enough time. So, you know, when the fish calls and yells at me, I got to do whatever he wants. It's one of our avid listeners. Um, I, I do want to uh, just re- reflect a little bit on a couple of things that, that uh, the police commissioner said. Uh, you know, and, and also my buddy Derek texted me, like, you know, what can we do as citizens to step up? Because we talk about voting all the time, I, you know, and I know so many politicians. I know people who are so active in politics. For whatever reason, maybe because we've taken it for granted, people just don't come out to vote. You know, I when I have considered running statewide, citywide, and you know, I always go back to Bay Ridge because Tip O'Neill wrote this book, "All Politics Is Local," and the voter turnout in my neighborhood is anemic. It's just anemic. I think it's like 5,000 people come out to vote, and I don't know how many people live here. Uh, 175,000, something like that. Um, it's just, uh, but, you know, like what Derek is saying, like we feel like we have to do more, like the good citizens, the good people. It's such a fraction of society that is are committing these crimes. And thank God the crimes themselves are a fraction of society. I mean, we are... I don't want to use the word spoiled, but when you think about the 70s and the 80s and, and what's going on now and what the commissioner said, 2018 being the safest the city's ever been in its history, um, we're still, if you really look at the statistics, if you take the time like to do what Bitter does, like he goes and he goes online, Bitter's this like um, intellectual powerhouse guy, you know, um, but like he actually goes and looks at the statistics at different precincts and does like compares and contrasts from two years ago, four years ago. It's right there. You know, a lot of this information now with the Internet, it's it's not hidden. You could see you want to know, like Marianne, you know, Marianne, something is, oh, my wife. Well, we should live in Manhattan. OK, it's safer in Manhattan. Oh, really? Let's look at the 6A precinct in Bay Ridge and then look at the 13th precinct in, in lower Manhattan. What's well, like 20th Street. No, it's not safer in Manhattan. So, um, look, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not one of these Florida guys, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I do feel I could be doing more. I'd like to think that this radio show is doing something. I mean, the the guests I'm trying to bring on, you know, in the beginning I was doing a lot of ranting myself, and maybe I'll do a little more of that in the summer, but I try to be on, bring on people to educate us and to make us think and to have Dominic Recchia text me like he did, to have Derek text me like he did, to have Mr. Bitter text me like they did. These are people who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. These are people who love New York. And I guess the very minimum we should be doing is keeping the conversation going and talking about how we could fight for New York. What do you, Sam, believe you're giving me a little, uh, little, little, getting me excited for my gig tonight? Yeah, why not? Little McCartney. McCartney should be great. We're going to be live tomorrow night. I'm going to be with Sam Bellino in the studio, and I'll give you a review on that as well. We got Frank Sedio coming up. Don't go anywhere. He's going to be great. He always is. Stand by. (laughs) 
Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with expertise and tools with Windows 11 to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. To do more with a Latitude laptop, Dell Technologies recommends Windows 11 Pro for business. Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. When Dr. Lederman came to New York from Harvard, 97% of women in New York were losing their breasts as breast cancer treatment, but 90% of Dr. Lederman's patients with breast cancer were keeping their breasts. Dr. Lederman, an outspoken advocate of breast-saving therapy, educated women about choices. To arm every woman about breast cancer, choices, breast-saving whenever possible and desired. When every hospital thought standard radiation was okay, Dr. Lederman had a better idea. Innovative Dr. Lederman first brought brain radio surgery to New York and body radio surgery to America. Meet Dr. Lederman, breast conserving therapy over decades. 1384 Broadway at 38th. Call 212 Choices. 212 Choices about breast cancer treatment. Most insurances, Medicare, Medicaid accepted. For a fresh second opinion, call Dr. Lederman. Breast cancer treatment, call 212 Choices. 212 Choices. Call Dr. Lederman today. 212 Choices. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and start getting cash back in every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra $0.25 per gallon cash back in your first fill-up. That's promo code SALEM. Remember, use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. According to Sambolino, it's 50 years ago today. 
that this album came out. Wow. Cozy. David Bowie, a very special musician in the same genre of the man I'm going to see tonight, McCartney. But, you know, I uh, I like to take uh, criticism. I take constructive criticism. And one of the constructive criticism I got, uh, I think it was last week, was that I did not give the Honorable Frank Setio enough airtime because he was so interesting and he was such a great guest. So I like to uh, address those who think I get uh, I could do better. And uh, we got Mr. Frank Setio back on. Hello, Uncle Frank. You there with me today? Arthur, how are you? Good to talk to you again. I got I got in trouble, Frank. I got in trouble. I I, I didn't give you enough airtime. That's what I was told. Hey, you know I have a lot of fans out there, and they I, listen. I, listen, I get it. I get it. So, speaking of constructive criticism, Frank Sedio, who is a uh, l- literally a political mastermind. You know, I listened to a, a little talk radio this morning. I was bouncing around the dial, uh, and on one of those other stations, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, Eric Adams isn't doing enough. Eric Adams isn't doing anything. Then I spoke to a guy, uh, a very intelligent Brooklyn guy, and he said, I don't care what you say about Adams and his staff. You know, he's not getting it done. They're not getting it done. So, Frank Sedio, who uh, who knows Eric Adams, who know, has known every mayor for uh, quite a long time, knows how the city works. I, I'm in trouble all the time because I'm defending the Adams, Eric Adams and the administration. You take a crack at it. Sure. Well, to be honest with you, there's nothing to defend. The truth of the matter is, as I've often said, even Michelangelo needed the hammer and chisel to make a statue. And the frank, frankly, this is not a small job. We're going to the, the mayor at this time is trying to overturn years of problems in a very short time. And certainly five months is not enough time to even give them a, a, a measure of what has to be done, much less to try and make a complaint about whether he's done good or bad. This is not a small thing. I believe it'll take at least two years for the mayor to be moving forward and getting everything accomplished that he'd like to do, particularly with crime. So, I mean, well, he are, his, one of his hands is tied behind his back for crying out loud because of the legislative action that's been taken in the past. Well, let me look. First of all, those of you who don't know... For- Frank Sedio was a police officer, as was uh, Mayor Adams. But, you know, I'll play devil's advocate. You know, when you say uh, he's got to turn back the hands of time for years and years regarding crime, crime wasn't that bad in, in 2018. That's only four years ago. You know, you could say that about Giuliani, right? When Giuliani came in uh, and became the mayor, he was literally facing, you know, decades of crime. I mean, the 70s and the 80s in terms of crime. I, look, that's when you were walking the beat, right? So, Frank Sedio, you... you you know what it was like. I was, doing a, I was doing a lot of things, particularly in the 70s. I always tell people, I remember one morning reading the paper in, in 2000, 1972, and reading about the fact that there were 2,000 murders in New York City in 1971. And I recall also reading about that there were 1,200 soldiers who died in Vietnam. And to me, it was unbelievably incredible to see that we have more people die in New York City than in a war that we were fighting. So you're right. It's been, and and nobody thought too much about those 2000. Everybody wanted to cut it down. And it really, in fairness, started with the end, ter- end of the term of, of Mayor Dinkins, which then Mayor Julian came along, picked up the ball and ran really great with it right into the Bloomberg administration. So we were fortunate in those 20 years. So we, yes, we, 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 the we, pandemic we, had some effect on this. No, I think it had. I think the pandemic had a huge effect. I think the, the the George Floyd thing had a big effect. But I'll tell you, last night I took Luca to the Yankee game, and so here's my 15, and you have almost 16 year old son, and now we're leaving the stadium, and we're gonna get on the D train, the B and the D, to come back to Rockefeller Center where my law office is, and. 
I don't want to exaggerate, but I don't know, at least a dozen people would just hop in the turnstile without even thinking about it. And, you know, it just, Frank, it sets a vibe. It sets an aura around there of lawlessness. It, I mean, it just does. And here's my son, and he's watching me. I'm paying for him. I'm paying for me, right? Between the two of us, it's six bucks, basically. And, like, well, you know, why Why are we paying and we're watching other people just hop the turnstile like it's no big deal? And there's cops everywhere. It's not like there were police officers there, and nothing's happening. And and to me, you know, look, we just spoke with police officer, with uh, Commissioner Bratton, and, you know, he was the creator, him and Maples, and about the, the Comstat and keeping, keeping computer statistics statistics uh, about all the different neighborhoods and that's where they targeted uh, the police forces to break down crime but frank i mean how do you feel about the fact that now none of the da's and really the nypd are not enforcing the simplest laws regarding jumping the turnstile well to start with it's the da's who said they're not going to prosecute those crimes and shame on them i mean you know, there was an absolute correct evaluation by Commissioner Bratton when he served in this job that the small crimes lead to the big crimes. Many times you get the guy who's done the small thing, you find out they've actually been doing a lot of big things as well. And there's no, there's, and I'm talking about the violations, the misdemeanors and felonies. No question about that. And right now the cops have been pretty much, uh, they're made aware that you're not going to uh, lock up uh, uh, turnstile jumpers. I'm not sure why they didn't give summonses. And I think if that's the case, that's a problem. I know that the mayor is, uh, has a new plan for the transit system. And one of them is not a bunch of cops standing together talking to each other while people are getting on and off the trains. Uh, and it's my understanding that he will shortly, if he hasn't already implemented it, be putting people, putting a cop on every train, which is probably one of the best things he could do at this current time trying to deal with the issues he's facing with regard to crime on the we, train. We got to keep those subways going. Um, I'm talking to Frank Sedio. Right beside of the city. Uh, absolutely. And I look, I ride them all the time. Uh, it's, there's no faster way to get around and we're inside Manhattan. There's no way. I mean, it, it's just the best way to go. Um, uh, I'm talking to Frank Sedio, who a former police officer knows everything about law, knows so much about law enforcement and a political operative. Uh, let, let's talk about the mayor endorsing the governor. The only thing, and look, Frank, you know, you know, I've dabbled in politics, around politics. You've lived it. Here, here's the mayor who, not that long ago, said that he thought Tom Swazi should be the a deputy mayor or the first deputy mayor and, and try to basically help him run the city. And now, months later, weeks later, he's not endorsing him to be the governor. Not that he stayed no, neutral and said, "Listen, I have the sitting governor. I can't say anything. I have Swazi who." Can't campaigned with me, who was one of the first guys to endorse me, who was at fundraisers for me, who I said she should be the deputy mayor. I'm not going to endorse him. I'm going to endorse her. Give the, give the listeners a little insight into life and politics and how loyalty, loyalty gets thrown out the window so quickly. Well, number one, I don't know if it's loyalty, but the bottom line is people make decisions. I love Tom Swazi. He's a great guy. And very frankly, I was urging him from day one that when the governor stepped down, to run for lieutenant governor. And he would have probably been today, we'd be looking at the, the, them, the two of them as a team, as an unbeatable team. Unfortunately, Tom didn't find that to be the kind of thing he wanted to do, but God bless him. He's made decisions for himself, and that's okay. But you know what? He would have made a good deputy mayor. And I think that the best person to be governor right now is Kathy Hochul. Number one, she's got a, a world of experience in what she's doing. She's been really on the ground from day one, the minute that she was told to be said that the governor was going to resign and she was taking over. She hasn't stopped. 
And the second point is we have to do something very important in November. Beat the Republicans. And I believe that the Republican field this year is in a very uh, a field that can really be a force. This foursome could be very successful in the November elections. I think that they bring a lot to the table. And without picking on any one of them, uh, uh, including the two leading Republican candidates, I think that whoever wins the Republican nomination is going to be a formidable char- char- uh, character in this next election and could give her a run for her money. So we needed the best possible person to be our candidate for governor, and that's Kathy Ockel. I think the mayor, uh, and there's another very important factor here. This is the first time in my memory, and I have been in politics since Maine Beam was mayor uh, and Nelson Rockefeller was government governor, that this, uh, this team's working together to solve problems. I mean, I, I sometimes kind of look around to see if maybe there's some other miracle is going to come, like the, like the East River is going to part, because it's amazing <laughs> that these two guys have gotten along so well. Well, and, uh, and, I, that, look, and obviously that's in our be- right. That's that is in our best interest. All right, I uh, I got to wrap up the show here, uh, Mr. Sedio. I'm closing down with you today, uh, and I, I, whether you like it or not, Uncle Frank, you're going to be uh, a regular here on the show because I got beat up last time by not giving you enough time. So. Um, look, look forward to talking about it. Maybe next week, if you want, we'll talk about this whole crazy congressional race that's in Brooklyn and Manhattan, that 10th district. All right. Let, let, I'll put it on the calendar, Joan. Let us know. All right, folks, I am signing off uh, from Brooklyn, New York. I am going to jump over the Verrazano Bridge, head over to New Jersey, and go see the great Paul McCartney. I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, but you got to love the Beatles if you love music, period. Any kind of music, you got to love the Beatles. And I hear McCartney puts on a heck of a show. I've never seen it before. I'm going with my buddy Mike Sabella. Noel Downey will be there. P.D. Culp will be there. We are going to have a blast. I'm sure I'll be jumping up and down. Every time I go to a concert with Sabella, we lose our minds a little bit. Um, Thursday night, I hope you guys had a great, great day today. I I really enjoyed playing hooky today. Um, And uh, thanks, Commissioner Bratton. Thanks uh, to Frank Sedio. And tomorrow's Friday. We'll be live and local. I'll be, uh, I'll be in the studio, I think, with Sam Bellino. So uh, don't miss tomorrow's show. It's going to be a great one. Padre Lou's got a great libation lined up. Have a great Thursday night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.